A brother goes missing, and a sister goes searching. A mother protects her daughter, but the daughter goes hunting. It's the Vampire Doll. Is this the psycho of Japan? Ooh, it might just be, Alex. With because all it, the twists and turns. Yeah, and it feels like you've got that main character who mm-hmm. I don't know anything about how prolific he was at the time, but it felt like he was. He felt like he was a leading man. Oh, he was a leading man. You felt like that for sure. And then he gets he gets the chap. I did not see it coming. I didn't well, I saw something coming, but I did not expect that to be the end. Yeah, I did I did not think he was gonna be dead. I thought this was our main character. I did too. I did too, and I was invested, but I was too. I was too. See it is the psycho of Japan. It's not what we got. Welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast. This is the bargain basement of monster podcasting airwaves. This week, as we try to stay alive, we're discussing the Michael Herndon patron choice, the vampire doll. I'm Eric, by the way. And I'm Alex. <laughs> was that your Dracula? Was that? It was pretty bad. That was pretty bad. I sounded more like a cartoon character, maybe. Well, like a, maybe like a barn. <laughs> I don't know. Like a, I don't know what I sounded like. Huh. I sounded like a voice that someone would do if they're like at a theme park in one of those outfits. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> totally true. Uh, I'm trying to think of, like, whenever I do a vampire voice, I just think of the Count from Sesame Street. Whoa. I think, two, one, two, three. <laughs> I'm, I mix it up with the owl who counts the licks to get to the center of the tootsie roll. Oh, pump. yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Ending up in the, ending up in the, uh, the weeds on this one. We are. Hey, hey, but wait. This one is even more like the Psycho of Japan because they spin around a chair and there's the reveal that there is someone who's been rotting for quite some time. Very true. Very true. That was a uh, great moment, really. Yeah. I mean, he was very flaky. Looking. <laughs> very, very flaky. He <laughs> <laughs> should have moisturized. <laughs> Definitely could have used it, for sure. Uh, well, let's jump into it, shall we? <laughs> let's. As our third film of our patron choice November, The Vampire Doll is the first of Michio Yamamoto's Bloodthirsty Trilogy, a series of unrelated vampire-esque flicks. In Vampire Doll, we don't really get vampires, though, do we? Or are those technicalities just a little fuzzy? And while I doubt that it would, does this hamper your enjoyment of the film at all, Alex? I mean, you know, technically, yeah, she's not a vampire. There's, you know, there's no blood sucking or even like a need to survive off of blood. You know, two mm-hmm. very important vampire staples. Mm-hmm. That being said, no, it did not impact my viewing at all. She is still supernatural for sure because of the, you know, the good doctor's occult practices. Um, and I was glad that she did turn out to be supernatural because I did get to get to be a little worried that she was just like a hypnotized serial killer almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not the case. No. But calling her a vampire is definitely uh, generous. Yeah. <laughs> but 
Again, that being said, it's not an issue, and it could probably be construed as like a riff or whatever on like the vampire lore. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what really matters here is did they execute like on vampiric elements pretty well, or at least like mm-hmm. some of the horror. And for a creature of the night, I think the answer is a resounding yes. Yeah. And I'll probably get into it a bit more later, but th- this thing does its horror right. And I was very impressed by it. Um, was this vampiric enough for you? Ooh, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Number one. <laughs> She's not a Nosferatu, you might say. <laughs> but she is definitely some sort of occultish demon woman. But yeah, honestly, that did not bother me in the least. Um, the technicality of kind of her lore just made this film feel more Japanese, more Eastern than Western, which was a nice spin. Cause I think this film is, is pretty inspired by the hammer studio uh, films, uh, you know, from, mm. from the sixties, seventies. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so I like seeing that Eastern spin on this movie, but to dive in, I thought the most terrifying part of the movie was what we already mentioned uh, in our intro there, those initial 15 minutes. Uh, where, like several other great films that we've watched for this podcast, was its own mini-movie. It was its own short film there right at the beginning. You could tell how much Yuko meant to Kuzihiko, and the end result is quite tragic, which is probably the most like beautiful element of this film, really. It's just the tragedy involved. You can feel sympathy for each of these characters besides for the Good doctor, as you like to call him, Alex. <laughs> but even then, he has a backstory with motives. We don't get too many characters, which is nice. But each character feels round, right? They feel like they have stories um, yeah. that we care about. Yeah. The, the characters all feel, like you said, pretty well realized. Like, even Igor is kind of sort of interesting um, but what's cool about a, a character like, you know, Yuko's mom is that the story is in her makeup. Mm. Now, we do kind of unfortunately get an ex- explanation later of what that is. Um, and I don't, I don't think we really need it because honestly, the the scar, when they do explain it, it's kind of a very strange way to try to kill yourself as well. Didn't quite mm. make any sense in that in like in that way. But visually, it is pretty interesting. Um, and the home is also like another character that I liked. It feels like a haunted mansion with a dark history. A lot like the way House did. Yeah. But scarier. <laughs> because you get, you know, you go you get the basement with the locked door, you get the the you get Yuko jumping out of corners and almost like a ghost story, it feels mm-hmm. like in there. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. But really, though, it's the main characters and their acting that have to carry this film a good bit. And they really did a great job, especially, I believe it's Keiko that's the sister. Mm-hmm. Um, when she was being drugged in that moment by the good doctor, um, she did a really great job of showing like complete fear in those moments. I was actually really impressed by that because, you know, we've talked about this before about how easy it is to overact in a horror mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I think this movie pretty elegantly, you know, skirted around that and didn't really give into that. Yeah. Um, were you as high on some of this as me? Yeah, I, I, I like that moment. I like her acting in that moment, though I'm screaming at the television at that moment to do something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, you you can't be held down completely by that position, right? Like, kick, like, struggle, fight this off. Like, you don't want to be drugged right now. But, yeah, it was, it was great acting, even in that moment. I do have a few critiques of the film, but they're all relatively minor. I think the music is a little off-putting for me at times it tries to be creepy but doesn't quite hit that mark i believe it's the harpsichord especially that feels out of place i also wish that we had seen some of the dimensions and some of these characters a bit earlier i mentioned that i liked how we get all these different characters that feel like they have these backstories but they all seem to happen at the same time and that doesn't make you care about the characters until the very end you mentioned the igor character again I thought throughout that he was the character that had the opportunity to really be a saving grace for our heroes. Mm-hmm. But to me, the first time we see his humanity is in that flashback scene where Yuko's mother talks about her daughter's final moments and we see him weeping in the background, showing just how much he cared for Yuko. It's a great moment. Um, and we get that, unfortunately, after he's dead, right? <laughs> right? Um, so we care about him after the fact, which is an interesting idea, and I'm okay with that. But I think we could have cared about him a little bit more throughout um, if we had seen some of those moments. I also enjoyed the twist ending with the good doctor's revelation that he's not so good, but I felt like we were provided too much exposition at that climactic moment to make it have its full impact. I mean, we get the exposition of the mother's story, And then the doctor comes in and literally says, let me finish the story. (laughs) Uh, It needed to be spaced out a little for it to have more of an emotional weight. That being said, though, I promise there's a lot of praise still to give this movie. But before I give more praise, did you have any of these issues? Uh, Well, I disagree with you about the music. I actually really liked it. Yeah. I thought, I don't know. I felt like. I, I felt like it was weirdly appropriate, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was just like, it felt like a throwback almost, like almost like a classic. But then maybe it wouldn't be appropriate for a movie of this time. But I did like it. That, But I also have to say, like, that's probably where my disagreements with you end. Because I agree about the Doctor. The big reveal is pretty great. But like you said, it gets lost in exposition. You go from wide-eyed, oh crap, to, okay, okay, we get it, kill someone already. Um, <laughs> pretty quickly by, you know, when you're about a third into his monologue. And he is an interesting character. He just talks too much and slows down the movie, like you said, during its big climax. But that was really my biggest issue I had. And, well... That and not enough creepy Yuko, because honestly, I was blown away by how great she was and how great her makeup looked for the, her, I guess, she's not really a vampire, but her vampiric look. You know, the glow in her eyes is just like this perfect touch on the, the green face. And of course, it wouldn't be anything if it wasn't for like that creepy smile that she like so expertly gives when she's about to murder someone. Uh huh. 
it's so good. Like these close ups that they do of her face when she has that smile, it's it, it's pretty awesome. Those moments were actually so good that they actually elicited like a bit of an emotion from me. Like, ooh, like I actually like felt the creep, the creep in it. I was like, this is this is good. Like I was really impressed. Like at a movie that. So I haven't. I don't have a whole lot of experience with older horror movies except for slashers. Yeah, and so this was one where I was like, "Is this where some of these things I see later on originate from?" Kind of like the um, the teleportation walk at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Is that where we see a lot of these horror tropes come from? Where they just like glitch in and out of like vision yeah. because they're like moving so fast, or like they're so uh, ghost like. I don't know, but. I was just very impressed by a lot of these things I see, and her performance is great, um, especially when she does have to make that turn where she has to be the uh, sympathetic, and she's like, you know, telling people to kill her because she doesn't want to turn back into a killer. Mm-hmm. Oh man, no, I I agree with you. She is she is very creepy. Um, yeah, I, I had a, a moment where it was creepy as well. I was like, this this is kind of spooky at this moment which hasn't <laughs> happened um the ring ringu was was pretty spooky as well i thought a couple moments but yeah this this was a spooky film for mvm for sure you already mentioned the performances but yeah I, i'm right with you i think every single performance is great i watched part of this movie twice as i was going back to find a couple of moments for our awards And I kept catching little things in the performance, small reactions that really brought life to the movie. It's just, again, it's subtle things, right? Obviously, they're subtle. Otherwise, I would have noticed them the first time through. But it's those subtle things that are not overacting that really brought life to the performances. Mm -hmm. On a technical level, too, I'm impressed by the cinematography here. It feels a little bit, not quite, it doesn't go quite this deep, but it feels like, um, Jisoji from Ultraman, that type Uh-oh. of cinematography at times. But there's more of a formal style here with just some fun and interesting shots thrown in, but almost always with a purpose. For example, after Keiko's revelation that she has seen Yuko, Hiroshi doesn't believe, believe her at first. And there's that great shot of the two of them at Yuko's grave with the grave marker jammed right between them. Um, just a a great shot with a great purpose. Or there's that shot of Gen's face at the beginning of the movie when Kazuhiko first arrives. That's so unexpected. It's almost a jump scare. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's like before it's even lit up, you know, his face isn't lit up yet. It's just like this dark shadow of a face and then it lights up. And you're like, Oh my gosh. Um, or there's that shot of Keiko and Hiroshi when they're being told of Yuko's accident in the camera for that moment only goes behind the gas station operator so that we can see both of their reactions. Technically, there's just some really good choices here. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, I didn't even uh, pick up on a couple of those. Those are, those are good. But yeah, I do remember like, well, you know, while watching this, feeling like this movie is just so well-crafted. It was, for sure. Yeah, there was a lot of personal choices made that worked. 100%. Uh, well, hey, before we get into our awards, Alex, real quick, on MVM Plus today, we stick with the vampire theme a little bit as we discuss Dracula. I am reading Dracula for the first time. 
slash listening to the audiobook. We talk a little bit about that. We also talk about um, our patron choices and what's coming up here in the next month. We also talk about Marvel vs. Men and Marvel vs. Men preview when our uh, Shang-Chi preview, our our episode is coming up. I know I had to think about it. Shang-Chi episode is coming up over on MVM Plus. And you can find that episode. You can find all of our episodes. Oh, yeah. Alex talks about Dragon Ball Super again, of course. No, leave me alone. It's just briefly. <laughs> you can find that episode in all of our other episodes of MVM Plus over at patreon.com forward slash MVM pod. But, Alex, let's get into our awards, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. All right, coolest character. Who'd you have? Uh, it has to be Keiko because she survives the most encounters with Yuko of anybody else. Mm. I mean, yeah. she gets trapped in two rooms with her, and she gets drugged by that guy, by the good doctor, and nothing happens to her. And she also, at the very end, you know, she—I guess she watches everything unfold, but. I mean, she encounters her probably the most, and she she's the only one to encounter her in a completely dark room, yeah. which was like that first attack, I guess, we get to see in the house, where she just pops out of that dark corner. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah, mm. it is good. I, I think I like the uh, closet reveal just a little bit better, because mm-hmm. you know that moment at the beginning... I didn't mention this before, but now I'm thinking about it again. That moment at the beginning where um, he goes to the closet... Uh, Kazuhiko goes to the closet you're like this is one of those horror moments where he's going to go to the closet and nothing's going to be there right? Mm-hmm. because he rushes there he doesn't like take his time it's not like built up he kind of like rushes there and you're like oh he's going to open up the closet and nothing will be there except for clothes you know Yeah. and then he opens up the closet and she's right there and I'm like oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good yeah that, that was, was a great good. moment uh, my coolest character is actually Gen, who I mentioned before. He's the Igor type of character. I mentioned before that I think he had the potential to be the saving grace, but even though I don't think he reaches that potential, I th- still found him really interesting. Anytime that we had him in this film, I wasn't sure what to make of him. Um, so maybe instead of coolest character, I would just say most interesting or mysterious character. Mm. He definitely has this backstory. You know, he seems like he's a loyal servant to this family. Uh, after he was not murdered 20 years prior, uh, he seems like he's, he's stuck with the family cause he wasn't there to protect the family. I guess he, he probably believes. So there's this whole story that can be fleshed out about him. Uh, that brings an interesting sort of, um, appeal to, to him as a character. I also just really like that moment where he is weeping for Yuko. It really humanizes him. You're like, man, I actually feel something for for these characters. So, again, was my coolest slash most interesting character award. Yeah, I, I wish they had just developed him and made him a little more, even more sympathetic, I guess. Yeah, I agree. So that when he does die, you feel, yeah. you know, feel a little something more. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Which is another your- good shot was the battle oh, yeah. in, in the camera from below the canyon, right? Yeah. Uh, I really liked how it played with shadows right there. Um, so really neat. So what about your most memorable line award? Mine was from the good doctor. 
after he finishes his story. He says, how about that? Do you believe my story? Yes, doctor. We believe your story. You just explained it to us. <laughs> it, it was just funny. Uh, it, it was. It was. And I, that was a line that stood out to me as well. I was like, what an odd yeah. Why? Like, why are you asking? Yeah. Why are you asking? That? <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, we're going to have to believe you because there's only like five minutes left of this movie. So, <laughs> uh, what about you? Uh, you know, as much as I like this movie, there weren't really a whole lot of lines that I like, like that yeah. really stood out to me. Um, the only ones that I really think of are Yuko's moments of like clarity where she wants to be killed. She just says, kill me. Yeah. Um, but those are, uh, dialogue-wise, <laughs> funny enough, the most basic one probably is the one that I think of when I think about the dialogue. Yeah, that's a good moment, too. For sure. Can't believe the acting award. Who'd you have? Yeah, I've already gave her, given her a shout-out a little bit. A lot of bit. <laughs> Yuko. She does the vamp- creepy vampire lady so good. She does the I'm going to murder you look like to perfection. Um, you know, this could have been a silly look and you, you got to give the makeup team their props, but this could have been kind of silly and goofy and she really sells this thing. Yeah, for sure. Yuko Alex is played by Yukiko Kobayashi. Yeah. That person. Yeah. (laughs) She'll always be Yuko to me. (laughs) Uh, mine is actually. Yuko's mother, Yoko Minikaze. I just thought she gave a performance that was, again, very subtle. And it was all about the the small facial expressions mm-hmm. that, that gave away her pleasure, <laughs> gave away her, uh, like, the fact that she was being fooled, but she knew it. But she also was glad that she was being fooled so she could get these people to stick around. It was all conveyed there in her face that the other characters didn't see but that we saw as an audience just very subtle you know movement of a corner of the mouth that just made all the difference in her facial expression slight smile um that that told you something was up with this character yeah i you make a really good point (laughs) (laughs) you do she did a great job what about, what about your effect award, Alex? What do you have? You know, I'm being pretty basic again, um, but it had to be the makeup. I'm going back to Yuko again. The makeup and particularly the choice for the glowing yellow eyes, mm-hmm. they look good. And they are, as far as I can tell, they're imposed on the image. They're not like, she doesn't have anything on her eyes that would reflect anything or anything like that. And so I'm, I was pretty impressed by that. Um, it just looks it looks great. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, my standout effect we already mentioned dry guy, so <laughs> I'll, I'll 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 take the birds, um, which I hope that's a standout effect because it looked pretty real. <laughs> it it did. It looked good. Um, and th- that was the moment, like a close up of the bird with the head, kind of severed was when Theo walked in. So of course that's not going to help his, uh, demon slayer obsession. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, but the birds honestly were just kind of stand out to me now. I was like, man, those are, that's kind of disgusting. 
So definitely lots pretty there was a couple of really good effects that there weren't many but the ones that they did worked yeah yeah they did they did i think the only one that didn't work for me really was the dead boyfriend when the, the reveal of him i was like he looks so strange mm-hmm. you know i was like oh that's weird oh really I, I i liked it i liked it it was so off-putting and it only was like two seconds that's true that it was like, it worked because it was so off-putting and it was two seconds i was fine with it if we had examined it a little closer or had time to examine it maybe i would have been like eh but because it was so quick i was just like whoa what i did <laughs> like about that is that she just sleeps in the room with that dead body in there oh yeah oh yeah pretty gross i mean it's, it's similar to the reveal of um the girl in dark water alex at the oh, end right yeah just this quick moment uh, so I, I did like that. This definitely feels psycho esque for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about your oh that? <laughs> oh, man, we're stealing each other. I know. Today. What about your oh that's a good shot of Ward Alex? Um, you know there there were some good ones that you pointed out to me that I didn't really click, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna go back to this well until it's dry. Um, it was the <laughs> appearance behind Keiko. When she's alone in that dark room, and then you just see Yuko appear behind her in all of her eerie glory, but she's kind of tucked away. Where if you're not looking on that side of the screen, you may not have caught it just yet. Mm-hmm. And that image is just—it's so good. It got me really excited for this movie. I'm like, wow, they're really—they're really doing the horror right on yeah. this. Yeah. Because I know they did a great job in that little short story at the beginning. But the horror there was a lot like, um, kind of like a, I, I likened it to like Pet Cemetery, but it's like, you know, there's something wrong with this thing that you like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like that they just had like this looming, creepy thing lurking in the house. Oh, yeah. No, it, yeah, you're right. That was the tone that they struck. And I, I think they they did a pretty great job with that tone. Um so my, oh, that's a good shot award. This was when I realized, oh, this is going to be a movie from a director that cares about images, right? And cares about uh, this the visual appeal. And it's the first time that we see the mother of Yuko and she starts walking down the steps in that storm, right? At the beginning of the film, <laughs> she starts walking down those steps and it's dark, but then the lightning um, flashes and we see the shadows of the handrail behind her. And it's just large and menacing and ominous. I, I knew then, I was like, okay, we're going to have some great shots here. So I, I'm going to p- pay attention. Uh, and sure enough, there were plenty of great shots to admire in this film. So lots to choose from, but I'm going to choose the one that sig- signaled me in to the fact that this is going to have several artistic shots. Yeah, that was my pick, and then I saw you had it, so I had to pivot. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was great. It is. Well, let's get into our rating and ranking then, Alex. You want to start us off? Yeah, yeah. So this was a this was a very pleasant surprise for me. Um, you know, we did just come off War of the Gargantuas, which was uh whew, it was tough. Um, and then to come to this and not I don't think I've even seen a screen from this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just such a nice surprise. I didn't know anything about this film. 
and its horror was far better than I thought it would be. The characters were far better than they would than I thought they would be, and I was just really impressed. Now, the film does have issues. We mentioned the climax. Um, I think actually gets pretty bogged down in the backstory that probably could have been hinted at instead of just talked about to a point of slowing down the finale. And then I also think that we don't get quite as much Yuko in the back half of the film um, as I would like. Um, And I feel like it slows down a little bit from uh, because of that. But this is a really great movie. Um, I'm just debating on whether it's a 3.5 or a 4. Mm. I'll, I'll, give it a, I'll give it a 4. I'm going to give it a 4 out of 5. <laughs> well, if you had looked on my letterboxed entry, Alex, that I did right before we started recording, you would have seen that I also gave it a 4 out of 5 stars. What? And I teetered on 3.5, but then I pushed it ahead to that 4 out of 5 mark. Just because (laughs) I think I I appreciate lots of the elements of this film. Uh, A 3.5 for me means I I like this movie. Um, A 4 means I I think lots of people should watch this movie. If you haven't seen this movie yet, I think you should watch The Vampire Doll. Uh, I think the director has a distinct vision that he wants to implement Michio Yamamoto and he does so. And this is a creepy movie with a pretty consistent tone uh, that you just mentioned. And and I agree with it has a consistent tone that makes you feel unease throughout. And that's done through the performances, through the cinematography, through the effects. I was creeped out a couple moments as you were, as you stated, and that's no accident. This this is well-constructed, well-made. It has a few issues in the storytelling elements. I don't think that's the strength of the film, is the, mm-hmm. the storytelling. But with that said, there were really cool twists and turns within the storytelling. So I, I'm not too down on it. It was just in a 70-minute film. Is, is that all this was, right? Um, yeah. In a really short movie you don't want to get too bogged down in those storytelling elements. And thankfully it really wasn't for the most part. And so it was such a fast paced movie that it really captured my attention throughout. So I gave it a four point or four out of five as well. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I was wondering if you would teeter on it on a 3.5 and it turns out I was right. Yep. Exactly. I only have to see your letterbox and know what you're going to be doing. Nope. You're so predictable. (laughs) Well, (laughs) next week, Alex, we're not sure 100% what we'll be watching yet because it is up to our patrons. We will post something on Twitter for sure. um, And we'll also post it on nvmpod.com where you can always see what's coming next. If you go to nvmpod.com, you'll always see what our upcoming episode is to be released always on that following Monday. So, yeah. And also, yes. I know I said this last episode, but all of our episodes are back, everybody. So right. if you're missing so. our a lot of our Godzilla series, they're all back up on iTunes. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, so if this is your first time and you're like, oh, man, I love Godzilla, go back and, and listen to us 
butcher the first several Godzilla films until we get our footing. Yeah, yes, exactly. Watch us butcher the first two thirds of Godzilla films until we get our footing. <laughs> yeah, watch yeah. us get through the Hasai era before. Oh before boy, we, we we get our footing. Oh boy, all right, you just triggered everybody to not go back and check. Um, yeah, Eric, I'm just so glad that this movie didn't suck. You know, and this director, I think he really cut his teeth on this, on these films. (laughs) Alex, Alex, Alex. Look, the director didn't cut his teeth because this vampire Uh, didn't have teeth, really. It had a smile. Yeah. You could say that this director smiled upon this film. Mm. (laughs) Man. There you go. (laughs) Well, as always, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MVM underscore pod. You can email us, mvmpod at gmail.com, or leave us feedback at mvmpod.com. Support us over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash mvmpod and receive weekly bonus off-the-cuff episodes. And if you feel so led, leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews really help. Monster vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornette. Executive producers are Faye Basier and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, rock band for PlayStation 3, Cinder Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener for listening until next week try Try to to stay stay alive. alive Eric that was a bloody good time Indeed. Uh, Bloodthirsty <laughs> Trilogy. Let's I was watch so the gl- rest. Yeah, I, I'm so glad they got to escape the house. Get it? Because vampires wore capes. One. <laughs> you should <laughs> not be making any more vampire jokes. Two. Your vampire <laughs> jokes suck. <laughs> Three. Neither one of us can speak like a vampire. <laughs> Vampire. Is that good? <laughs> I'm Dracula. Dra- Dra- <laughs> I give up. All right, theme park amusement person. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>